Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello, hello. This is season two, episode... Twelve. Twelve? <laughs> of Drive-by cinema. Chipping in with the episode I all four is... of my hands to count that, by the way. It's my co-host, Paul. Hi, everybody. This is my co-host, Richard. You frequently refer to counting on number of hands, Paul. When yeah, it's it's my little dad joke kind of thing. Paul, then I have to ask you this. Oh my How God, no. do they count on their fingers in China? Oh, uh, by the power of audio, audio format. You want me to explain that? Well, you can. For me, you can hold it up on video, can't you? First of all, can oh, I just say that China is an agglutination of uh, <laughs> cultures? Okay, so, so I mean, in different regions, they do count in different ways. However, I think you could, you know, summarize or or, or say that there's a generally accepted way that works all around the country. Which well, is man, you're going to generalize. I'm going to generalize, and so yeah. If it's different from where you are in China, I'm really sorry, everybody. I, I know some specific regional differences. So one is just one. Yes. That's index one finger, finger for the viewers. Two is two. Index and middle finger. Two fingers, yeah. Three is three. So far, very similar to the European system. Four is four. Yep. Five is five. F- oh, no. Like Stop. a little talking duck. Paul is doing a shadow puppet. Yes. For five. Like awful duck. Okay. Okay. I d- okay. I don't believe that, but sixty-six. Rock on. Uh, he's doing the universal symbol for a telephone. Yeah. With your. F- no, I get confused with seven and nine. But where I'm from, this is seven. Seven is two fingers and your thumb together. Yeah. Eight is eight. Eight is like an L shape with your f- first finger and your thumb. Nine is nine. Uh, which is like a hook. Okay, yeah. on your first finger. Ten is ten. Like a uh, Roman numeral ten, an X. Yeah. Or a fist. Or a fist. Regional. So you could count to ten on one hand, Paul. That's what we're going to. Yes, I could. Whereas in Europe and the Western world, we have to use two hands to count to ten. Yeah. But there are I mean, many different changes systems. to this. You know, I propose changes a binary way of counting. So. You know, zero, one. Okay. He's, one, zero. He's, one, one. One, zero, zero. One, zero, one. One, one, one zero. One, one, zero. One, one, zero. One, one, one. One, zero, 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 zero. You know, I think that would work really well. So what we've got, two to the ten. Yeah, so. Bits, yeah. So two to the one, two to the two, two to the three, two to the four, two to the five. Two to the ten bits. I think it's 32 times 32, which is a, a big number. In India, you count using the lines on your fingers. So it goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Oh, no, 1, 2, well, 3, well, 4. You crick over like. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You have to be double jointed to like move. 13, 14, 15, 16. So you have to be double jointed. 17, 18, 19, 20. Oh, so you say, what, well, like 15 pounds, 8 pounds, or rupees, 7 rupees. You point to a line. Yeah. Yeah. So you need two hands, I think but it's so. actually very efficient kind of thing. Very efficient. It's like a little mini uh, hand abacus, isn't it, in a certain sort of way. Richard, why do you bring this up? Is, is well, you kept with... going on about counting on so many hands. I wanted to point out that in China, you could have counted a lot further on one hand. I know. Cultural. See, it, was, know. it used to be assumed that everyone counted using the additive way. It's also in a film. Just to bring us back to our podcast, Paul, in wow. Inglorious ba- uh, Inglorious Bastards, the Quentin Tarantino war film, it's a major plot point Is because it? there are spies in a German in a bar in in occupied France, a, a British spy, I think, yeah. and he speaks German, and they're sitting around with the Americans and stuff, and he goes to order some beers, and I think he orders. Two beers by holding two fingers up, and all the Germans t- turn and go, oh, 
and they realise he's not German. Because in Europe, they start with the thumb. They do start with the thumb, yeah. So it would be two beers, not two fingers, two beers. Wow, so that's one, two. One, two, not one, two. But I didn't really clock that when I saw Inglorious Bastards. I had to like read about it later because I didn't really understand that bit. Because to me, it's natural to do either. I think I would often start with a one on my left hand on the thumb. But if I was starting on my... Hmm, I don't know. How would you do it? The Chinese way, obviously. How would I count myself? Yeah. If I well, I'd just do one, two, three, four. I'd start with my index finger. Five. Yeah. If I was ordering two, Six, seven, there's eight, no nine, question ten. I would do two. But if I was counting, I might often start from my left thumb. But if I was going to go two beers, there's no way I would hold up a thumb and a finger. No way. I would always uh, hold up two fingers. So there's another apocryphal World War spy story about, you know, the Americans send a spy in, he's learnt perfect German, blah, 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 blah. How do they know he's a spy? And the answer is, well, because he's black, kind of thing. <laughs> and that always leads on to, when well, I used to be a teacher, you know, I'm doing English corners, this kind of thing, you know, having to get students to talk about things for six minutes. We'd always start off with that one. And then we'd launch into the joke about the doctor. What's the joke about the doctor? The, the two women in the room, one man. Uh, something. Or one, there's one woman and two men in the room, and how do they know who the doctor is? And people are really puzzled, like, oh, we don't know who the doctor is, but it's because she's a woman, but people assume that because she's a woman, she can't be a doctor kind of thing. Do you remember that thing? There's a joke. Uh, It's not a joke. The the joke is... It's not a joke. It's kind of like a makes you think, doesn't it, kind of thing, where you're supposed to be able to identify who the doctor is, and people say, no, I don't know who the doctor is, because they've kind of disincluded the woman as being able to be It feels a little bit like I don't have enough information to figure out who the doctor is from what you've told me. I know, because I can't remember. I can't remember it myself. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I, these things I always so used to launch. You're challenging my prejudices, but really, I can't figure it out anyway, can I? I mean, it could be anybody. <laughs> now, I think these days, people would assume the woman is the doctor. But maybe 20 years ago, people would get it wrong because they'd already disincluded the woman as a possibility for being a doctor, you see. One of the men is her chaperone, of course, because she couldn't be alone in a room with a gentleman she wasn't married to without a chaperone. Do we have any corrections from last week, Richard? You overlooked something about the English language, which is that there is a secret rule about English, right? Which is that I can say the big white box, but I can't say the white big box. Uh, Why is that? Simply because of the order of adjectives. Who taught us the order of adjectives? Nobody, and it's a relatively recent thing. I mean, it didn't exist in English 400 or 500 years ago. So No, really? And it doesn't really exist in any other language, I don't think. So why did we get it then? How come we've got it now? Where do we get it from, Paul? How do we learn it? Oh, how do we learn it? Well, yeah. quite easily, quite easily. You know, our brain oh, will recognise okay. us patterns quite really quickly. So we just pick it up by We just pick it up. In the same way, we pick up verb endings and weak verb endings, you know. Like, I've got a friend's kid is, you know, currently saying, I ated, <laughs> I ated my, my dinner kind of thing, which is a double, like a double, double pass, isn't it, kind of thing. But very soon she won't be saying that anymore because that's just well, how old is she now? Like 33. <laughs> <laughs> She's fine. But no, very soon she won't be saying that. The double correction is a cause, you know, for the double, the double pass, the double use of tense there is, is, is of course a celebration really de- developmentally isn't it yeah she's doing the right thing just doing she's, it too she's, well yeah she's, she's applying the, rule. the rules kind of thing so uh, how we pick up these rules I mean you're saying why well I don't know how we pick up the rules but you're suggesting that this rule is different from other grammar rules it's not you know we just we just pick them up I mean we just do and they're implicit aren't they I think a lot of grammar rules you could read in a book or you could you certainly can read them I mean you can read that rule it's just not a very common one. And you don't read it in, in grammars for English people because it's just so fundamental that we don't need to mention it. If it's so fundamental, how come nobody could tell you what it is? If I asked anybody what the adjectival order was, they'd look at them like I was from the moon. <laughs> well, there's a little mnemonic to remember, isn't there? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but that's only because I've worked in this industry. And it's a mnemonic that I just don't remember because I can just, you know, I can just put eight adjectives down on a piece of paper and work out what it is anyway. Because it's, <laughs> it's, a, great, it's a great mnemonic. <laughs> there are two or three of them in the order that are quite swappable, I seem to remember. Oh. Yeah, it isn't hard and fast. It is literally by feels. But ask any, you know, native speaker and they pretty much will all agree. If you give them five or six different adjectives, 
are varying kinds. They were all pretty much, 99% of the time, put, put them in exactly the same order. And it's something that, you know, foreign learners of English just have no conception of whatsoever. So it's quite interesting. They're all like, why? Just why? <laughs> it makes no sense. It doesn't really, if you think about it. Well, it's very much... It has nothing to the tone. It has nothing to the to the, to, to the poetry or the lilt or, you know, the meter. It has nothing whatsoever. It's something that, if you were to speak without it it would mark you out as a non-native speaker immediately. Oh, really? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. Wow. Thanks for that, Richard. So, yeah. So, yeah, thumbs thumbs counting in continental Europe and will, you know, mark you out as an imposter, but also not putting your adjectives in the right order in the British Isles will we'll do also. So, weird, isn't it? Is that why the German spy programme was never very effective in the war? They probably couldn't master it, could they? That's a good point, actually. I mean, it, I mean, English is really hard to master, isn't it? Because of just the arbitrariness of our weak verbs. So, swim, swam, swum. Think, thank, thunk? No. Think, thought, thought. You know, I mean, it's just... There are rules, but there are thousands of them, aren't there? And they, they do apply and they don't apply. Rather like our road system, you know. Like, did I mention there's a, there's a drop curb near to where I am outside Tesco Express, but then there's there's a parking bay, like, you know, the designated white lines on the road, parking bay around the drop curb. <laughs> Only in Britain, I think. <laughs> you, you can't park in front of a drop curb, Paul. We've discussed this. But why, drop then, curb why, put a bar, why, put, like, why not just stop the lines where the drop curb is? <laughs> Does it, it doesn't matter what the lines say, Paul. If it's a drop See, for you as a British per- Britisher, it's perfectly clear that you should be parking there. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know. There's precedence in terms of the entitlements of those two laws or those two, those two regulations. And if I did get fined, I think it would be contestable. I could demonstrate that it wasn't entirely clear whether I should be parking there or not. Paul, it's for people in wheelchairs and pushing prams. Is this really the the moral ground you want to fight on? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know if I can park there or not. You're saying I evidently can't. <laughs> I'm saying clearly no. <laughs> Let's instead, Paul, move on to this. How shall I put this? Uh, short, movie. beautiful, exciting film. Slasher short, beautiful, exciting film. Hush now, Paul. Let's move on to Hush. Yes, Hush. 2016. I was wrong if I said it was 2018 at the, uh, the outro of the last episode. Oh, the trailer, hush. even. From last episode, 2016, Hush, and Hush even, and uh, it's a a slasher horror movie about a deaf horror writer. She doesn't write about the horrors of being deaf, she is deaf, and she writes horror novels. I was trying to shut you up so we could hear the music. But it didn't work. Yes. <laughs> Hush. <laughs> Richard, do you ever have visions of, like, gaffer taping my mouth? <laughs> or is it more like Zippy on Rainbow? <laughs> oh, I... He does yeah. look a bit like George. He's got this pink background behind him tonight for some reason. He usually has his, like, his, his corporate uh, green screen. And for some reason, we get to see Richard in his true environment here. Yeah. I've got a background. Um, the urban screensaver on my television. The urban IT squirrel. Gathering his media nuts for later enjoyment. Shut up about my media nuts. <laughs> Listen. I've got a brain problem, I've realised. Oh, you don't say? Yeah. When, Commiserations. When I, when I was looking at this movie and trying to figure out how long it was... Netflix does the double countdown. Does the count up and countdown? You don't actually get, get the full number, do you? At any point? No, it's not that. It's not that. The oh. problem was when I looked at it, it would say things like one hour twenty. Yeah. And I kept getting mixed up with that and hundred and twenty minutes. Oh yeah. But they're two completely different things. They are because they express with the same digits. For some reason, we've inherited bits of the Babylonian hexamal. Hexagonal, sexagesimal, I think, isn't it? Well, no, it wasn't six by ten. I think it was six by six originally. So it was just hexagonal. Ah. Well, that's why we have three hundred and sixty degrees in a circle, right? Yeah, which conveniently divides into four and into threes and into sixes. I mean, I guess you know, moon cycles in the modern day. Could we? 
could we not have our calendar on the moon? No, because we've still got tides, and of course, you know, we've still got the full moon and that kind of thing. And 360 divided by 12 is a really nice 30 anyway, isn't it? Is it the 30 that does it? 6 by 5, and then 5 by 2 is 10. I don't know, but for whatever reason, the Babylonians didn't follow through on their on their number system. And that's why you've got the problem that you have today, Richard, which is 1 hour 20 is 80 minutes and not 100. Or 120, even, what am I saying? Yeah, so I kept thinking, shit, it's two hours long. I've got to find two hours to watch this. But it's only 120 hours. No, one hour 20. <laughs> one hour 20, which is really you saying short. it felt like 120 hours? This is a sweet sweet and short movie. I, at no point did I feel that this movie dragged at all. No, exactly. I didn't fall asleep during it, unlike last week's Infinite, which felt a bit infinite. It starts off with a house very much in the woods, reminiscent the woods. of Mandy. Mandy, the mythical Very film reminiscent we never actually Mandy, recorded. That we never actually we managed to it, successfully review. Yeah. Although we episode, did watch it. Yeah. I watched it three times. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Nicholas, how are you doing? Regards from, from, from the non-Nicholas Cage people in the world. No, I mean, yeah. So House in the Woods, it's a really nice house. And it's obvious that she's having a really nice time. And uh, we start with her cooking, don't we? But she's very isolated, isn't she? And her yeah. sister makes this point when she calls her later. Living all on your own, especially when you're when you're deaf. When you're deaf, yeah. seems you know bold to live so far away. I, I guess she wants the seclusion because she's trying to concentrate on her writing. If you're deaf, you could live somewhere noisy, couldn't you? <laughs> you could actually. I never really thought about that. Look, okay. So the first five Look, minutes ideal is ideal for flight paths. Heathrow new runways. You know, cheap houses there, presumably. If you've lost your hearing because you've gone to too many concerts. Drown out the tinnitus by living on the Heathrow flight, flight path. That's my advice. Or even living on the runway, if you want to protest things. Look, I mean, the first five minutes of this movie, we, we just kind of get her cooking, don't we? And it seems to be some sort of indulgent ASMR into sounds that she can't hear for some reason. Like, why have all oh, that it noise? It cleverly expresses that she's deaf, doesn't it? Because you start off with all the sizzling and the cooking sounds. Yeah. And then you hear what she's hearing, which is nothing at all. And then she throws the food away because she's messed up. And she messes up the food three times during this movie. Are we to presume that deaf people are not good cook- cooks or something? She's not just deaf, Paul. She's also mute. Ah, okay. Like a swan. <clears throat> Apparently, we learn, I think from the book jacket, that she suffered hearing loss at 13 because of bacterial meningitis. Yeah. So she hasn't been deaf for her entire life. So she kind of remembers what it must have been. Now, you say flight path, deaf people would like it, but they do feel the vibrations. So she's got a fire alarm. A smoke alarm goes off, doesn't it? And it's it? really it noisy. And it's so noisy. It has to be so noisy so that she can feel the vibrations. I had a really good deaf friend back when I used to be a clubber. I used to go clubbing on the weekends. He, could, in, he or she could feel the vibrations. Kong. I had a deaf friend, and she was like a local Hong Kong girl. They don't make Hong Kong girls or Hong Kong boys like this anymore. Like Hong Kong delivery drivers used to have dyed hair and tattoos, and she had like she was like uh, she had dyed shock blonde dyed kind of like Mohican. She sounds cool. She had a shock blonde Mohican hairdo, and she was completely deaf. And we used to go down the Hong Kong nightclubs, and she used to hold on to the bass bins. Yeah, used to really enjoy herself. So I'm not sure the flight path would be okay for deaf people, which I think they might be just as disturbed by it as us. I guess you say they don't make them like that anymore because that kind of transgressiveness would have been stamped out by the government, Chinese government, Hong Kong. Is that what you're saying? Or dare you say that? The um, <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> they, they've offered citizenship, haven't they, to Hong Kong people to come over here? Yeah, come Hong Kongers, come to Britain, uh, help us fix. <laughs> Fix our broken country. Well, no, definitely, you know. I mean, Hong Kongers coming here will not be eating whatever we're eating. They'll definitely become... There'll be a huge demand for decent seafood uh, that they'll want to eat. And so we're guaranteed really good Chinese cooking. So I say come along and and finance and support some decent seafood restaurants. I mean, you can't get decent seafood in the UK anymore. No, because all the fishermen have gone bust because they can't export it to Europe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we never saw foresaw that, did we? <laughs> <sighs> now, uh, uh, what's she called, by the way, in Hush? I can't remember her name. She is called Maddie Young. Maddie, that's it. And she had meningitis age 13, if we haven't already told you that. We have said that, yes. Now, she uh, has a friend come around, doesn't she? Sarah, her nearest neighbour. Yeah. Sarah's a redhead with freckles. She- 
They have a good relationship, and Sarah's learning sign language, although Maddie couldn't lip-read anyway. Yeah. Maddie also knows how to summon her cat by shaking the, the food bowl. So she can't hear it, but she knows the cat can hear it. Well, I mean, she had hearing before age 13, didn't she? she? Did, so I guess yeah, she's not, she knows she's not what the sounds are and that sort of stuff, yeah. And she can remember her mother's voice. Her mother's voice is a muse or, or, or a bad-tempered editor in her head, apparently, so... Oh, yeah. Now, that's important. That comes in later, doesn't it? Yeah. She maybe has a boyfriend called Craig. There's a guy messaging her, but she deletes his messages, which I have to say, for Craig's point of view, is not not a good thing, having your messages deleted before she opens them. What what has he done to deserve that, though? We don't know. We don't. Well, she's suddenly become a very successful international author. I mean, yeah. you, can start, you can start demanding things from your boyfriend, can't you, at that point, I think. You can start being picky, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what everyone does when they become ridiculous, ridiculously successful? <laughs> it's kind of an ultimatum. It's like, I, you got to change or we're not on the same point system anymore kind of thing. Is it there? There's, there's, there's an unspoken conversation that can't ever be mm. spoken, which is, you know, yeah, yeah. my points have just increased. Yours haven't. Maybe they have been by being associated with me. Something in relation has got to change to reflect that. I, you've got to become... A, a touch more subservient, I think, is usually the outcome for the man, isn't it, in this situation where the, where the wife becomes a lot, lot more sex, successful than, than he is. Yeah, there's a pecking order, and you either come to terms with that or you wind up having your FaceTime call hung up on. <laughs> or he could just have been a usual bastard bloke and been inconsiderate or even cheated on it. We don't know. It, it, it's never actually resolved or even or even talked about, is it, I don't think. So her mate Sarah stays for a bit. They have a chat. It's all very friendly. They get chatting so much that Maddie's cooking is left not on the bottle but in the oven. Burnt the oh. lamb chops or whatever it was she had. And guess what goes room. off? The fire alarm. You were describing the very powerful yeah. fire alarm. So loud that she can hear the vibrations when she's in bed. But also a strobe light on it as well. Right. So Sarah's a bit annoyed by that. Somewhat unsympathetically. Like, you're friends with a deaf <laughs> person. Like, don't have a go at them for having a really loud s- smoke alarm. And she's like, Sarah's like really angry that, that you know, somebody's burnt the, that her friend has burnt the, burnt, uh, burnt the roast. Well, you're the one sat on the porch chatting to her, distracting her. <laughs> I don't think Sarah was that good of a friend, really, to be honest with you. Well, don't worry, because she's not going to be around much longer. <laughs> she, soon, she, soon gets, <laughs> she soon gets chopped to bits. <laughs> as soon as Sarah leaves... Night falls. A short period of normal life and more burnt cooking, probably... And then as she's scooping whatever that grey sludge she'd prepared was into the bin, behind her, at the window, at the door... Sarah suddenly appears. She appears bloody, banging on the window, but because Maddie can't hear her. Frantic, screaming for help. Does a crossbow bolt get fired at her? Yeah. A a guy wearing a very creepy-looking mask appears next to Sarah and stabs her with a knife lots of times, quite... Quite gory. Gory. And Quite graphic. Yeah. Quasi-erotically, actually. The way he stabs her slowly. And he's obviously clocking that the fact that Maddie hasn't heard any of this, even though he's doing it right at a, at a glass door. He doesn't seem puzzled by it, does he? He takes it in quickly and figures it out, yeah. Uh, but you're right. Okay. It's difficult to see his expression, though. He's wearing that weird mask. Just a faceless, kind of blank, expressionless mask with no colour on it. At this point... A clever bit of the movie occurs. He's watching her through the window, isn't he? Yeah. And Maddie is moping around, I think, blocking FaceTime from her boyfriend. And she's, I think, chatting to someone on computer or something. She's left her phone. And at some point, she gets a message from her own phone to her computer. Now, I don't have any Apple products. So I'm not sure how you do this. Can you message yourself from your Apple phone to your Apple computer? <sighs> Well, you can message yourself, but it would come up on both apps, wouldn't it? I mean, if you open the app on both devices, it would come up on both yeah. apps. But you wouldn't be messaging, messaging yourself, would you? I mean, how would you... If you were on any chat app and you thought, how would I message myself, how would you do it? What well, If you were on Skype or Messenger, how would you message yourself? Maybe, unless you had two accounts, and one of them was Maddie's Apple iBook or MacBook or whatever it is, MacBook Pro. No, 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 no. She was on a chat with a friend, yeah? Yeah. A chat with a friend. And so it was open on her phone and on a computer. Right. Okay. So she sent the message, she sent those photos to her friend. Or rather, so he, he picks up her phone, which he stole. How does he get from. it? He, he, he kind of... He, he, he must have popped inside, right? 
Does she know he exists at this point? No, she has no idea. Because the first that she knows, and this is clever bit, is that he <sighs> takes a picture. Oh no, hang on, he's got Sarah's phone. Is that right? Is that right? He's got Sarah's phone. God, I thought this seems no, no, no. so obvious. He takes at the her. Time. He does take her phone. It's not Sarah's phone that he takes. Although he yeah. could equally, he could have done that equally as well. Yeah. So he doesn't know. He, he sneaks no, in no. the house. And he, Sarah's phone is in a back her. pocket. Sarah's yeah. phone is in a back pocket because they flagged that at the start. You see they her do. put it in a back pocket. They do. And yeah. we're assuming that when she dies, it's in in a back pocket. He takes her phone when she still doesn't know he's there. And could have killed um, her at this point. So he's he's obviously a gamester. Isn't toying he's, with he's, her. Yeah. he's toying with her. This is a this is a hunt. This is a game. This is a quest for him. It's not just simple, mindless killing. He's a weird character, actually. Yeah, he he makes himself out to be a pure psychopath. He's doing this for pleasure. He's toying with her. He's seen that she's deaf. He cuts very soon. He cuts the power, and he has to assume. Oh, he's got a, he's got her cell phone. So he's cut the power, presumably he's cutting the landline if she has one at all. So he has to trust that the internet has gone out because he's cut the power, even though she's got a laptop. He's assuming that the laptop doesn't have a SIM card in it, whatever Americans have as an equivalent, I don't know. But I mean, some laptops you can get, can't you, with a cell connection? And she obviously has cellular connection there. So she tries to call the police, yeah. No, she, she ah, well, she doesn't have a phone. So the first thing she knows is she's chatting away in her computer. She gets a message from herself. I think it says Maddie's iPhone or something. Yeah. And it's a picture taken, like, you know, in looking through the window, I think, of her in the kitchen or something. Yeah. What was that really scary movie with Ethan Hawke? Oh, Sinister. Wasn't something similar there where, where pictures appeared of what people were doing? No. That's the one with the cine movies, the... The home movies. But also, when he's walking through the house, those ghost kids appear behind him, don't they? Mm. He, he, they're always out of his sight. When he turns around, he can never see them. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm thinking about the one where the girl goes to her sister's house. It's all. It's like a screen film, as you would call it. Ah, uh, that was Host, wasn't it? Yeah. Host is something similar, where people are made aware that they're being yeah, watched. Yeah, this has elements of a screen film, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. She first encounters him in that very creepy way that she's seeing pictures of herself that he's taking. The last one is like that was her, creepy. her yeah. looking at her laptop right there and she kind of looks over at the window. So that was really creepy. It was, yeah. It was a proper proper moment. And she knows immediately now that she needs to lock the doors if she hadn't already. Presumably that's how he got in without breaking anything. But she, he goes, you know, she goes over to lock the door. He's outside. Uh, roughly around here, I think maybe he takes his mask off. Oh, that's right. She'd written on the window. Hey, I haven't seen your face. You know, just leave me alone. Boyfriend's coming. Better, you better leave quickly. Kind of Boyfriend's thing. coming home, yeah. So he takes his mask off so she knows that she's, he's going to kill her because she's seen his face. That's it now, isn't it? Right, okay. So she battens down the hatches, so to speak. And, and now up. we're in what I can only describe as an adult home alone. Yeah, it's a siege, isn't it? She's under siege. What are you going to do? What you could? What would you do, Paul? Well, okay. Can I just first, first of all say there's a trope here that oh. windows don't get broken, <laughs> and it's just so weird. This whole thing. I don't think it's just him toying with her that he feels that psychopathically he has to break in in a certain sort of way. It's just that movie thing where. The you know the slasher can be outside, but he's not going to necessarily break in through a window for whatever reason. Okay, okay. Look, okay. Partly that is for narrative reasons, right? Obviously, yeah. They want to build some suspense and tension about this whole thing. Of course, it's possible to understand it from that point of view. But also, like double glazing casements. Have you ever tried to break through one of those? No. Well, okay. So here's a story. I'm working late at Minos Games when that was a thing, right, in Cambridge. And it's a ground floor office, and it's behind a pub. Wow. Down on Mill Road. And Oh, the nicer part of town. Not in the science part, then. No. There's no really rough parts of Cambridge, though, let's be honest about it. Not these days, anyway. Well, there are some flat-roof pubs in the Aubrey area. Yay. Was it the Snowcat? It was particularly famous. There were lots of spit and sawdust ones, like old, old... Pubs that would have been Victorian and grand if they weren't spit and sawdust, you know, they've been painted yellow and purple and pink inside. Because no, I'm talking rain- about rainbow I'm hats talking about- used, and reggae hair used to go in there despite not being people of color, you know, those kind of pubs that smelt of patchouli oil. <laughs> yeah. 
There's a lot of that. Cambridge is full of that, though. That side of Cambridge. True Uh, fact. You know, Strawberry Fair they had there. And it sounds like a lovely hey nonny nonny kind of lessons to flute music stuff, but it's not. It's wild and sort of uh, (laughs) semi-anarchic kind of stuff. Anyway, but Richard, please continue. So it's it's late night, certainly after the pubs are closing, maybe after midnight, I can't recall. But I'm sitting there... What were you doing? You were working late night on your... I was looking after games servers for Minus oh, Games. You were working? Probably ah, a Quake server or something. Well, I mean, mostly wow. it ran itself. I was probably chatting with someone online whilst looking after the server. Whilst this is a line of Nine Nails. Exactly right, yeah. It was the early 90s. It's what people did. I hear a massive crash coming from the kitchenette area, just down the hallway. And I'm on my own in this office, you understand. So I... I run through. It's a whole new movie here. I run through into that kitchenette area, and all of the windows in this office have got vertical blinds. You know the type, vertical ones with the little bead chains at the top and bottom. Uh, and it was closed, but I could see already like bits of glass falling between the, you know, sort of falling inwards and, and wow. through the uh, vertical blinds. Uh, but then I hear a smash again, really loud against that window, and a few more glass com- bits of glass come through. And so, what, what am I going to do? I don't know. What the, what the fuck is happening? I'm not Jewish. I'm not Jewish. Well, I shouted, what the fuck is going on really loudly? Fuck off. I suppose the smart thing to have done would maybe to have been to call the police. I don't know. Yeah. I think I did go and do that. And I said, police didn't you know, come that quickly back then, though. Well, they it's not like today. quickly. They pre- it was within five minutes. And it was Mill Road. It's not very far from the police station in Cambridge, right? Yeah. So they probably didn't have far to come. When the police arrived and I went outside, obviously I wasn't brave enough to go before that. (laughs) Turned out someone had picked up an empty beer keg, you know, the big aluminium things, from the back of the pub, and had chucked it against the kitchen window. And it had bounced off at least twice. It may have been more. I don't really recall how many times. And it was just... It was was a double-glazed window, fairly large double-glazed window. Everest yeah. windows. Basically. It was like, because this office wasn't an office office. It was just like, just like a sort of semi detached house style that had been converted. So I think double glazing, I'm not sure that was specially toughened or anything. I think it was just ordinary. But I think double glazing is pretty resistant to casual attempts to break through. Wow. I mean, obviously, you'd get through it eventually. Somebody better tell Elon Musk. <laughs> You're talking about the cyber trick incident, aren't you, when they threw yes. a thing at the window? Well, they were th- throwing a ceramic thing at it, weren't they? Well, yeah. What, what were it? Because there is this thing where you can throw a bit of ceramic at a window, some really small, and it will shatter it. And I think they use the the white bits around the top of spark plugs. I think that's what, what they tend to use for it, because it's presumably a very hard ceramic. I see. And I guess the principle is... You only need something really hard with a very sharp point, you know. To, that's right, yeah. To hit the glass, uh, and that that's going to shatter it. It will necessarily shatter it. All of which is a long way, a long preamble thing to say, Paul. Uh, it may not have been so easy for him to break in. Or maybe her glass was toughened. Maybe. She's but he didn't really try until the end, did he, is my point. He didn't. He didn't. You're quite right. And that's 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 the bit that kind of falls down. I think it, it falls into into movie lore or, or, or movie trope tropedom, doesn't it? Really, is that he didn't use the windows as a means of entry. At one point, he holds Sarah's body up to a window. Yes, and, and uses like a little little ventriloquist puppet. Yeah, which was quite quite scary. She sets off a car alarm by holding the button down on her keys. This is clever as well. Yes, she, she holds a button down that everyone forgets that they've got on their car keys. Well, if you hold one of the buttons down, it will set the car alarm off. Wow. As a sort of personal protection. So he goes running off and she gets Sarah's phone out from her pocket. Is that right? Yeah, she opens the sash window and she bends down to try and find the phone in her back pocket. Don't think she finds it or... No, she doesn't find it. But he runs back, nearly gets in. She's pulling the window down. She remembers she's got a hammer that she was carrying as a defence. Yeah, that's the first blow. Yeah, She smashes hammer into his hand. And uh, right. he falls backwards. So, in a way, he was perhaps deterred from further attempts to enter because he knows that she's prepared to smash his hand, which comes back to bite her later, doesn't it? When Sarah, when he kills Sarah, he bends yeah. down and he picks up her earrings. He takes her earrings off, puts them in his yeah, pocket. A little trophy. 
And he does the same thing with another person he kills later, and he takes a watch off them. Do you think? Oh, do you think it's serial killer trophy taking? Because I thought he was just like getting valuables off them. <laughs> <laughs> Is that crazy? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Because he's taken Sarah's phone. Hasn't the he? earrings are spotlighted, aren't they? They are because yeah. they come back later. Well, they come back later, but we'll get to that, I guess. So, yeah, so like she's holed up now. It's obvious that he's around. He's made himself very, very plain and visible to her. He's taunted her with her dead friend as a ventri. She actually leaves the house. She thinks to try and run away at one point, but he chases her with a crossbow and and gets her. No, not not yet, not yet. Oh, he fires it, possibly as a warning shot, maybe even. Is she shot in the leg by it? Not not yet. She runs back into the house. He's struggling to load because crossbows are not very good tactically, are they? Quite slow to load. You got to pull. Really hard on, on the string. You'll put your foot in the stirrup. Bit difficult to do. Oh, he, and then she tries to get out through the second story window. That's right. Yeah, she goes upstairs. She opens a window, climbs out onto the roof, and he's climbing up the window at the same time. Is that right? Not yet. No. What she does is she's brought with her, I think, the alarm that she took down, and she switches it on so the strobe lights going, and she yeets oh. it to use that word into the forest. And when the when he hears the sound and he sees the light, presumably he thinks it's a torch, and he chases off. And she tries to crawl along the guttering very quietly and climb. This down. is a nice moment of tension. Yeah. 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 Suppose her plan was to get away quietly now and maybe just creep away, escape stealthily. He shoots her at that point. Yeah. Yeah. He comes back. And he shoots her. And then he then he climbs up the roof to get her, and she knocks him off and steals the crossbow. So at that yeah, point, she, she has the crossbow and exactly. the hammer. Exactly. It's got to turn out in her favour, hasn't it, everybody? Yeah, you've got to, you've got to be putting your bets on, on, on her at this point, yeah? Except she has oh. been hit in the leg with a crossbow. She's bleeding, and it turns out when she gets into the house again and closes the window, it turns out that she's not really strong enough to load the crossbow. And she, I think she's only got right. one bolt left anyway. So maybe she's not... So hammer it is then. Okay. Well, don't worry, because we take a quick break from uh, these two uh, getting on it together, because uh, Sarah's boyfriend, or Sarah's ex-boyfriend, I guess, John, turns up at the house saying, what's going on? (laughs) I should just say, this film is... One of the reasons this film is so terrifying is that you know that, that she's profoundly deaf, Maddie, right? And consequently... He could be anywhere, right? When she's not seeing him, how does she yeah. know he's not breaking the window? It's, it's terrifying. Doesn't. And so for that reason, there's a bit here that I found difficult. I suppose she was in a lot of pain. But she actually... But do, do you think she, we ever saw it from a deaf person's perspective? We didn't. We always heard the sound, didn't we? We always hear the sound. But Yeah, I think they really could have played with that a little bit more. I was always acutely aware that she doesn't know how much sound she's making. Like when she crawled out onto the roof, I mean, it strikes me roofs are not a very quiet place to try and move around on. Especially not kind of metal or corrugated iron shingles, whatever that was, I don't know. And the other time I I felt she was taking risks that she maybe shouldn't have done was when she got in and she's wounded, she's got the crossbow bolt on her leg, she takes the time to pull the bolt out and then she pulls her jeans down kind of halfway to where she couldn't have run anywhere, probably. Gets some hydrogen peroxide from under the sink and, you know, disinfects the wound. Would you do that? Would you incapacitate yourself for that long? If you In front of your patio window? Probably not, no. Terrifying, though. Very tense. It's a very tense movie, surely. So, you know, the openness of the house design really adds to that, that the precarious the precarious feeling that you get of her being, in, you know, out in the woods. And just, you know, this almost like, you know, Japanese paper wall away from, from this killer kind of thing. It's very it's very effective. But I didn't think they played on the sound or the loss of sound. We never got a sudden move to to, to muteness as we uh-huh. moved from, to her perspective, did we? To highlight some of these sound issues, uh, you know, and her being deaf. And I thought that's maybe a mistake in from a directorial, directorial perspective. So tell me about Sarah's boyfriend, Paul. Well, Sarah's boyfriend is a bit annoying. He probably deserved to die. <laughs> Listen, he's a big guy. He's a big guy. He's a clever guy. Because, you know, the, the, the psychopath 
He's very charming and pretends to be a police officer, although he doesn't have a police uniform, so presumably... He doesn't have a police uniform, and he's got a, ne- a tribal neck tattoo. And he's got an injury, too. And But he, he, he's very charming. He is. And manages to pull out the stories like, yeah, I've just seen this guy run away, terrible circumstances here. I don't know where Sarah's body is, but her boyfriend hasn't seen it yet. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm calling it through, you know, the rest of this crew should be along soon. He actually very asks convincing. to borrow to borrow his phone. Clever, yeah. And he pretends to call, presumably pretends but to call the police. Critically, station. at this point, the earrings he's taken as trophies fall, fall out of his pocket. Yeah, John, boyfriend, sees them and knows. So John picks up a, a rather large pebble. Now uh, hold with on. the idea of bashing him on the head. I put it to you, Paul, that hmm. I or most men. If they saw their girlfriend's earrings lying randomly on the ground, they wouldn't figure out that they were their girlfriend's earrings. What do you think? Is that <laughs> they're just earrings, right? Oh, you dropped True. some earrings, mate. Would you know that they were your girlfriend's? They were quite distinctive, though, weren't they? Were they? Yeah. Okay, you could pick them out in a lineup, could you? They were kind of live, laugh, love kind of style, weren't they? Really? I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Like, like a silversmith had like. Were you watching Beaten on high def, there, Paul? Is, is, I was, is that yeah, why? Yeah. Is that why you can see this detail? Well, Sarah was very much the kind of girl would have live, love, love, live, love, love <laughs> on a wall. Anyway, wasn't she? So I thought the earrings were very much in keeping with her sense of style. Maybe he could John see would, uh, like some red hair caught in the earrings. Or perhaps, yeah. Anyway, he knows. He knows. He figures he, it out. For whatever reason, he's a bit crap. He's not the quarterback on the team, is he? He doesn't launch into this guy. He kind of tries to sidle near to him. I think no, the other he's clever. Just, he says, oh, I think there's a spare key. She always leaves a spare key under that plant pot. And whilst, gets to bend down. Whilst the psychopath is bending down, he picks up a big rock. And doesn't hit him, though. And he's just about to brain him when, what should happen? Maddie is banging on the window going, hey, help. And oh, he's right. distracted. Maddie for him. And instantly, right. the psycho stabs him in the neck with a knife. Yeah, really good and shot. That, and that so, is awful. That's an awful way to go because he's now bleeding out. Really slowly. Slow. Well, but he struggles on. He yeah. struggles on. Fair play to John. You know, gets the guy on the floor, and they're rolling around. He starts in the choking mob. him out, and it's touch and go. He might have. He might have choked him. But he gives him enough time, doesn't it, to escape? Oh, this is the point where. This is the. Point she comes where, out with the crossbow. She's no, loving the no, crossbow. No, 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 no. This is the point yeah. where she. Well, she might do it a bit, but this is the point where this bit about having an inner voice talking to her. Ah. Comes back because is she that has when a vision. Starts talking to her. I see. She has a vision of running away and being caught because she can't run fast enough because of her leg. Yeah. And being stabbed. So you see her die at the hands of this psychopath. So she realizes she can't do those things. That's right. She's talking to herself. She's giving herself a pep talk. You can't do this. Come on, you're bleeding out. You're getting weaker. You know, you can't wait here. Yeah, I thought this was really enough. By the way. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit yeah. up and down the line, isn't it? It's a bit. It's maybe the weakest part of the movie. Anyway, so she resolves to go out there and fight him. She takes the crossbow out and she hits him, Richard, with the crossbow, doesn't she? I think a good shoulder, shoulder, a good shoulder shot. You know, she's 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 got some cartilage at least, but it's not it's not a kill. He breaks in. Actually, she stabs oh. it. She stabs his knee, which is very painful. He's breaking in through the bathroom, I think, isn't he? Yeah. And she was waiting in the bathroom. He breaks in. I think he was right behind her and about to stab her. And she feels his breath on the back of her neck. And that's when she she flips the knife in her hand, spins around and stabs him in the knee. They then have a fight and he's strangling her. And she picks up a corkscrew and stabs it to his neck. That's how Whoa. she finally ends it. So it all ended and that's it. But the cat doesn't get killed. No cats were harmed in the making of this movie. So yeah. Uh... And there was a so bit at it. the end. There was a bit at the end where, you know, she's sort of sitting there and he's like dead and stuff and it seemed like she was about to yell or shout or break her muteness which is a bit of a trope isn't it but I don't think she actually did I think they averted that but it just seemed like she was on the verge of saying something yeah Paul it sounds like you weren't as impressed by this film as maybe I oh oh, hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold up wait a minute slow down there back it up okay no I mean this is a good movie but are we are we moving towards scores or not I think we are at score stage, yeah. We've come to the end of the movie. There are many things I liked about this. The refreshing, not simplicity, Uh-oh. but linearity of the plot. This didn't hold any surprises as to where it went, but managed to be really scary, simply because of 
the technical virtuosity of, of the people making the movie. So that to me was a real plus. You know, I mean, the best things are simple things. Uh, and this was a relatively simple movie, just very, very well done. So I think there's praise to be had there. I wouldn't say I dislike this movie at all, Richard. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was very, very scary. I think the maker of this movie, Mike Flanagan, he seems to have, a, I think, a series of horror-type thriller movies. I think the actress often works with him. So they're like, you know, I think they're like a close-knit ensemble team who do this kind of stuff. Reminiscent a bit of the guy, you know, the house in Nottingham, the house in Sherwood one that we watched. That seemed to have a similar kind of uh, team of people doing a similar kind of thing, maybe. So should we do the acting, Paul? Can I just preamble to say this movie was made with a million dollars. It doesn't look like that. It looks like something much more expensive. Mm. Stephen King loved it. He said it's a classic. I mean, I don't think classics exist because there are just too many movies out there these days. But he really loved it. And I loved it too. The acting, I thought, was just strong all the way. You did get a sense of her deafness. I don't think, like I said, you get a sense of how the deafness impacts upon this already fairly terrifying situation. But like you were saying, there was no there was no movement into first person where suddenly the sound cuts out and we get the echoey kind of movement into uh, a muffled underwater world or that kind of thing. There's nothing done with the audio at any point really like that. They, they should have done that at critical moments, I think. They should have made decisions to move into that kind of depiction of a deafness. I think it would have heightened some elements of the thrill. That's not really talking about the acting. However, uh, the acting was just good all the way through. I think the killer, the psychopath, was very, very convincing in his charm, in his chill, in his mannerisms, in just way, the way he went about everything, in his taunts and his tease and his game gamification of this whole uh, this 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 whole escapade. Uh, so I'm going to give the acting an eight point five. Richard, mm. acting was good. I liked the lead character. I thought she was good. She carried the movie well, and you really rooted for her. Uh, I liked her friend. I thought it was good. She had a sister as well on the call, didn't she? But it's a very small cast. What we no wonder they could do it for a million. But it was just what three, four people, three, four, yeah, people, something like that. So, uh, well oh. done all round. Uh, I'll give it a seven for acting, plotting. I've already spoken about this. You know, a very linear, directional plot didn't really go either way. Always, no way. Went one way only. Uh, that didn't really, for me, affect the level of thrill that we were gonna gonna have. It was a, it was it was a rail roller coaster, and it was a roller coaster ride. So the plotting for me worked in terms of it serviced the thrills that were to be had. It, it, it was it was you know it was on a knife edge three or four times in the movie, significant knife edges that you didn't really feel that she was gonna get through. I mean that's what you want in these movies is you want to be convinced that he's going to get her, mm. even though you know there's 40 minutes of movie left. And it succeeded <laughs> for me in doing that. So so for me, the plot worked. It was relatively simple, but it didn't need to be anything more than it was, I don't think. I mean, it's simplicity is its strength and its weakness, isn't yeah. it? It is a straight up and down, like a guy's outside, you know, how do you survive? But just yeah, asking just that a rail question, shooter, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great question to, to grapple with. I wasn't, like I said, I was a bit confused, not totally persuaded by the motivations of the psycho. Was he doing it for money? Why was he out in the woods? Obviously, he was a psychopath, but maybe it doesn't matter. It's not really a study of serial killers, is it? Um, you know, people, crazy spree killers do exist. There's no question of that. The beautiful thing about this horror is you don't need any supernatural in this story to have a properly chilling, scary experience. Even and down the, to the, the... setting is right. The wood, yeah. you know, house in the wood is a perfect setting. Yeah. Uh, he can come on all sides. He can appear from up or down or side to side. The night time, you know, the fall of night, everything makes it very scary. It's a robust seven for me for plot. Okay, I'm going to score it seven too. Well, it's a horror movie, I think, so we've got to do scare factor. Fear Jump factor. scares, okay. Yeah, a sustained thrill, knife-edged kind of tenterhook, moments of suspense, satisfying denouement, nice amounts of gore. Yeah, we, we forgot to mention the bit where uh, when she scutters back inside at one point and she tries to pick something up she dropped outside, he slams her hand in the sliding yeah. door and then stamps on her hand. And she, for the rest of the movie, she's got a very convincing broken fingers pr- prosthetic. Horrible. 
It, it, was so, it looked so painful. And a level of sustained menace from, from the antagonist that I thought was effective. So in terms of scares, it was very scary. I'm going to score it an eight. Mm, yeah. I can't disagree with an eight. Good. Do we do special do we do three categories? <laughs> or you could just do three categories. Does anybody care? <laughs> no one's counting, Paul. So uh, overall, I think this is better than the sum of its parts, actually. It's nice. It's very tight. It's not overlong. It's wow. really well done. It's got to be an eight, eight point five, maybe. Wow, that's a high score. Richard very rarely goes that high. Uh, I'm going to score it an eight, a resounding eight. It's a definite recommend. Uh, hey, it's a really good, movie good movie for the Halloween month, and it's it is, and it's also mercifully not mercifully, but it's also very short. You know, uh, I've had enough of two and a half hour movies. We've got another two and a half two and a half hour movie coming potentially when we come to suggestions. But yes, hour twenty, hour thirty. You're in and you're out. It's a great old ride. Uh, proper nice rail shooter. You know where the ballots are coming from. They're coming up along the rail, uh, and uh, but they can come on the side, and it works. You know, so for me, an eight and a definite, definite recommend. All right, so Paul, so thanks for this one, Richard. Yeah, I kept suggesting it for a reason. I knew it was a good one. Now, listen, you've been uh, angling after this <laughs> next movie, I think. So we've got to because well, it's out on Thursday. Well, it's it's it, well, it's it's Halloween, so Halloween Halloween month. It is Cinnamon Starbucks month. Right. Uh, I, so, see, I see what you're saying. So I'm going to give you two choices, Richard. Oh. First is a classic horror story on Netflix, free to view. It comes highly recommended. And the second, of course, oh, and we what, could not what is it? avoid is it. it sorry? It's Dune. No, no, the first one. What was the first one? Oh, no, sorry. It's called A Classic Horror Story. Yeah, and it's called... No, the, no it's not a description. That's the name. It's called... It's, the name of the movie is A Classic Horror Story. It's a classic horror story, Paul. We know that. I know, but its name is a classic horror story. It's eponymously titled. <laughs> That's confusing. It's, I know, it's a bit recursive. Okay. What is it, a comedy? <laughs> we need a Lambda to deal with this. Does it, can anybody program Lambdas? Okay, look, a classic horror story on Netflix, free to view. And of course, the other choice, which cannot be ignored, it is out on Thursday, premiered, June 2021. But there's Richard, no choice here, Paul. You're giving me a choice, but there is no choice. We've got to square the circle of this podcast. We tried to watch this a year ago or something. We've got to do it More now. than a year ago. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm guessing it is Dune, therefore. It has to be Dune. And it has to be in those Odeon Dolby cinema seats that have got recliners. Sure. For 14 Now, pounds. be careful. Be careful <laughs> that you, you're viewing the screen at 90 degrees. You have to be tangential to it. You have to... You have to be orthogonal to the screen because otherwise side shops of Timothy will not be viewable. <laughs> what's what's tanned genitals got to do with it? Transgenitals? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so June 2021. I've been waiting more than a year, more than all time for this one. I'm deeply excited about it. I've seen the reviews. It's up and down, but mostly up. I'm I'm ready to be satisfied, but I'm going to cast a critical eye over it. I'm sure Richard is going to go in there with a touch more scepticism than me and a little less enthusiasm. So the thrilling suspense we'll here now is whether Paul's edit of last week's film will hit the podcast decks before <laughs> before, before we next see year. June. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, <laughs> wish me luck, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you.